What is up, Lit and Lucid Podcast fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Lit and Lucid Podcast show. We're very happy that you're here with us. This week we hit episode 27 with Brad Bogus. Brad is actually coming to us live from Portland, Oregon this week, and we'll be speaking on his experience and getting started with the industry from the cannabis and to a friendly, uh, another podcast called Nerd AF. Uh, he will also be speaking on his current role with Confident Cannabis and what Confident Cannabis is doing to, to better your experience with understanding strains and their, and their differing effects with you and kind of bringing the more feasible approach to a wholesalers, cultivators, processors, dispensaries out there. So stay tuned for the next episode. It's going to be really cool, very informative. Uh, I think all of you out there are going to really dig it. Uh, some housekeeping things for the week as always is if you're interested in being on the show, don't be shy. Hit us up, litlucidpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you got something interesting to say, uh, we have no problem with just throwing you on and helping you guys spread the word. So we appreciate all of you out there for listening and thanks for repping us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being supportive and interactive. All of it is greatly appreciated. So without further ado, here's Lucy and Brad. Welcome, everybody, to the Lit and Lucid podcast. Uh, We are here recording episode 27 from the Mile High, as well as out of Oregon. Uh, We have Brad Bogus here with the Confident Cannabis. What's up, Brad? What's up, Lit and Lucid? How y'all doing? Brad is the VP of Growth of Marketing with uh, Confident Cannabis, so we're going to be learning a lot about his company and what kind of software they've created for B2B businesses, as well as the importance of it for consumer bases as well. So we're really excited to learn about that. Uh, One cool thing, Brad Bogus has spent a lot of time here in Denver. He was the former GM of the cannabis back in 2016 uh, with our friends from F420 Films and Ricardo Baca of Grasslands. So that's a pretty cool connection. We're really excited to hear about that as well. And also, if you have listened to one of our previous episodes, the one with uh, F420 Films, you probably learned about Nerd as Fuck. Nerd AF is a podcast of out of Denver, and Brad is a co-host of that as well. So if you enjoy nerding out on podcasts like we do, definitely check them out. They nerd out on like all things, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, I mean, anything that you say, I, I nerd out on this. It's something we'll discuss. Yeah. So definitely check them out, but I'm excited to have you on the show. Um, So thank you very much for sharing your time with us and your experiences. Um, And maybe let's just dive in. Like why, how did you get started in cannabis? Um, Things like that. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think the interesting thing to know about the cannabis industry is that getting started is just really making the decision to get involved and then going and doing it. There's not like a real barrier to entry here, which is sort of real interesting about it as an industry. But uh, for me, I got my uh, my career began just by uh, running my own content marketing agencies out of Austin, Texas for about 10 or 11 years. And I hit a point where, you know, I had, I had accomplished what I had set out to accomplish. I kind of felt like I was ready for something new. Uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say my heart wasn't in it, but to a certain extent, I wasn't sure my heart ever was supposed to be in it. You know, I, I started businesses without necessarily intending to do it. It just sort of happened. I followed opportunity and, you know, I got to a point where I was like, I don't know that I want to keep doing this. I feel like I've, I've accomplished what I need to do and I want to do something different and I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And, uh, you know, I was, I was having these questions when I was 31 years old. So, you know, I mean, not 31, I'm sorry, I was 36 years old. So, uh, so, you know, it, you can have these questions at any point in time in your life. I was evaluating that 
a mentor of mine kind of skewed me in the right direction and asked me where I was ultimately most interested in getting involved. And uh, without thinking, I just sort of said cannabis industry. Um, you know, I was already a consumer. I had been consuming cannabis for a long time. I knew a lot about it. And, um, and really what caught me about it was that, you know, like I, I had to ask myself, like, how many times in a lifetime does anybody ever get the chance to like work in an industry that's starting literally from scratch? Like not a new innovation on a predicated industry like, you know, cell phone technology or the Internet uh, to a certain extent. You know, these things were predicated off of existing infrastructures, but cannabis is starting literally from scratch. And so um, so that's so compelling in and of itself uh, feels historical in that regard. But there's also the social justice components of which I care very deeply about and have always uh, kept my career close to. And uh, when you can do both of those things, wrap them up in one. And, uh, you know, I just felt like I had a skill set that wasn't really prevalent in the cannabis industry. It seemed like it, that's where I should go. And as soon as I had that conversation, was like, I want to get involved. I looked at uh, what available opportunities there were. Luckily, there was an opportunity at the cannabis uh, through the Denver Post. And I happened to be uh, fortunate enough or had hustled enough in my network that I knew one of the senior vice presidents of digital there. So I was able to get a good uh, introduction. And, uh, you know, I did a really good job in the interview and they recruited me. So that's how I got my start. It was like, you know, kind of hitting a point in my career when I was like, eh. I don't know what the hell I'm doing here anymore. And I want to do something fun and I want to do something I care about and I want to change the world. And yeah. cannabis just kind of hit all of those uh, factors. That's awesome. I think yeah. they, uh, the Japanese call it Ikigai, I believe is the, the philosophy where you can uh, find the concentric circles between what matters, what you really care about and something you oh, love nice. doing. Nice. And that was really what the cannabis industry was for me. That's cool. That's kind of like those life maps we just heard about. Colors life maps, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, yeah, life maps are cool. Yeah, and I've yeah. heard that a few times about cannabis, so it's kind of cool that it's like, it's kind of came into our life and, and really kind of filled all the needs really well, so. Yeah, uh, yeah and I've met so many people in this industry that come from every which possible direction. I've met people who were on Wall Street that felt like they were so, having a soulless job and that it was tearing them apart from the inside and they hated their lives. I've met a, a CEO of a cannabis vaporizer company that was designing big, giant, bungee jump uh, amusement uh, installations in China. I mean, you know, the, the backgrounds from the people that I've met in the industry are just so diverse. And it just shows you that you can come from anywhere and like make a place in the industry or get a job in the industry if you really care to yeah. and try hard enough. Um, and, you know, there's certainly a dose of privilege that comes with that, depending on who you are. Right. No, that's like kind of what we preach like every episode is people just need to get out there and do something. Like if you want to be in the industry, just make yourself, you know, useful and helpful and learn everything and you start to network with people and it just kind of goes from there. And that's really been like a theme of like a lot of these episodes. I, don't know. I love yeah. that, you, that you touched on hustled your network earlier because that's like the key really. Right. It's just, yeah. like, no, I mean, there really is like who you know for the most part and a lot of that comes from what you do as well. You know, you have to get yourself known and you have to actually put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, when they say it's all about what you know or who you know, it, it couldn't be more true. But who you know isn't something that you're just, I mean, I guess some people are born into social circles right. and then they already have the who you know baked in. I wasn't that kind of a person. I had to build the who you know. And I spent my first 11 years in Austin, I spent just always meeting and constantly working on partnerships or relationships that didn't develop. Mm -hmm. The one with the, uh, the guy at the Denver Post, 
he and I had previously been trying to make something work at the Austin American Statesman. I probably dumped an uncountable amount of hours. I mean, really probably enough that it would equal weeks worth of just pure business time devoted to trying to make something happen that did not happen. And I was like, well, that time was wasted. Well, no, actually it wasn't because, you know, lo and behold, a few years later, whenever I really uh, needed to rely on that network, he was there and I was able to completely shift my life because of that relationship. So Mm -hmm. you never really know where you're going to be investing your time, but when you just invest your time and you don't think that, uh, you know, this meeting's worth taking, this meeting's not worth taking, um, take every meeting. You don't know who you're going to meet with. You don't know what opportunity might be there. And you might poorly judge uh, what is a great opportunity as being not an opportunity and not take a meeting and then miss out on something. So, yeah, hustling the network is it's key. And, you know, if you're luckily, if you can get past social anxiety enough to be good at it, uh, and you can refine that skill, um, you'll see greater success than most people. That's awesome. Absolutely. And if you're still stuck with the social anxiety, uh, like I am sometimes, check out LinkedIn. Definitely a good place to start. Um, yep. You know, get some Smoke interpersonal connections going. Smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> a lot of weed. I thought that's weed. what he was going with. <laughs> no, LinkedIn for sure. So <laughs> hit up LinkedIn. It's a great place to start. If you're socially anxious and you don't like face-to-face stuff. Um, really, I mean, that's what it's there for. Develop that connection before you, you know, go out and put yourself out there. So, Yeah, the other thing that's really interesting about the cannabis industry is that uh, it uses Facebook and Instagram like LinkedIn. So much, yeah. So, you know, don't, uh, don't discredit what seems like a very just social network. I mean, you might want to be careful a little bit about what you have out there that people can access. But, right. uh, you know, if you don't have a Facebook page that you need to keep hidden from people, um, you know, use Facebook, find the right people that you can connect with, uh, try to make friend requests. People in the cannabis industry just friend people that they've they never love met before. Everybody yeah. in the industry is on Facebook. Like, I feel like that's the only reason I use <laughs> Facebook now is because everybody's so connected online. If it weren't for that reason, I actually wouldn't be using Facebook right. anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. And like, I, yeah, totally. Like when I post stuff, I'm like, oh, this is all cannabis people. Like that's only relevant to them. Yep, yep. You find friends requests of people you've never seen before, right. met before, and got 74 mutual friends. And you're, you're like, like what? okay. <laughs> so, uh, yep, so yep. that's the industry. Platforms. You have a platform of your own, Confident Cannabis? Yeah. Cool. So so tell a little bit of our tell the viewers and listeners, uh, what is Confident Cannabis and kind of what is the, the goal behind what you guys are trying to achieve? Yeah. Um, well, so Confident Cannabis is a software company out of California. Um, they recruited me out of Denver, which made me have to leave my favorite city in the nation, unfortunately. But um, but it was for a good reason. Uh, this company, out of all the companies I had been evaluating, just had what I thought was the most brilliant and elegant way to solve one of the biggest problems in cannabis. So, um, you know, what we have developed is software that cannabis businesses utilize. Um, it doesn't really, it's not really in use by consumers, although we are able to affect consumers quite a bit with the implications of what our software does. But um, essentially, just to kind of give you the spiel, um, like years ago, when our founders were trying to figure out what to create, um, you know, what to solve in the cannabis industry, they started asking a bunch of different cannabis operators from, you know, lab owners to growers to processors to retailers. Um, what their biggest problems in the industry were. And their answers, uh, ultimately, the top two of the three biggest problems are regulatory problems, you know, 280E, federal banking, like the kind of stuff that has to get fixed in the halls of Congress. Um, What they said that doesn't have to be fixed in the halls of Congress was wholesale uh, trade sucks. It's not transparent. It's opaque. It's hard. Uh, When you're trying to buy 
product from other growers within the, uh, a given region. You don't know if you can trust the information that they're giving you. You don't know if when they tell you something is 28% uh, fire, if it actually has been tested for 28% and that that test result that they're showing you actually corresponds to the product you're trying to buy. So there's, there, there's a lot of, you know, just sort of gray smoke and mirrors that happen in the industry that cause uh, trust to be in low supply. Uh, and there's not a lot of transparency in that. And then there's some other problems in wholesale, which is just like, you know, it's not very sophisticated. You know, you're going through garage sale emails and text messages and menus aren't updated and there's no central place for all this to happen. And communication with farmers and, and growers and processors can be tough. So uh, a lot of those problems are easy to fix. You just give them technology, show them how to use it, and you can solve the sophistication problems and the sloppiness, right? That's easy. But the trust and transparency part, that's not easy to fix. Um, that's, that's, that's kind of a human problem. And what, what we figured out was that if we're going to fix wholesale cannabis by making it trustworthy and transparent, we have to make lab software first. And the reason why uh, this is particularly relevant to you consumers out there is that as a consumer product, cannabis is the most regulated product you're ever going to interact with. Um, you know, unless it's like nuclear grade uranium, almost nothing is regulated the way cannabis is regulated. Right. And, um, and that's, that sucks for cannabis business owners, but for consumers, it's great because there is more data on this particular product that exists than any product on the planet because mm -hmm. of laboratory testing that is required for these products to be bought and sold within the business space. So if I'm a grower and I grow 25 pounds of Durban poison, I have to go get that 25 pounds tested and that test has to pass in most regulated markets for me to be able to even sell that. Sometimes that's potency testing, sometimes that's potency in, test, in pesticide, sometimes that's a full chemical profile. In Nevada, you have to get terpenes, right? So um, uh, there's a lot of different test results that are required in different markets. And so um, this helps ensure that consumers are getting a quality product and that it's been uh, safely, you know, passed through the system and they don't have to worry about whether it has heavy metals or some sort of crazy toxic stuff in it. Mm -hmm. And also that they know the potency of what they're buying just so that they know they're not getting faced off of something that they think should make them just mildly chill. Right. So that's a good thing for consumers. We had to build lab software to give to cannabis laboratories to be able to help them uh, manage this flow of data from their testing to the clients who needed to go sell that product to the, to the retail stores where you go and buy that product. And whenever you see on a label, something has 28% or 20% or whatever, uh, you know, THC, maybe uh, it's a balanced like five to 5% five, uh, THC to CBD, the reason that that's on the label is because of these lab tests and our software handles that for the labs and for the consumers or the customers who need to get their stuff tested. Okay. So, so oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. So I'm confused though, because I feel like the wholesalers and the labs and the dispensaries are all doing all of these things on their own. So, yeah, I mean, uh, growers have to get their product uh, tested before right. they can sell it to extractors or, right. or to retailers, right? Um, and then extractors have to extract it and get it tested before they can sell it to edibles manufacturers or to retailers. And right. then edibles manufacturers have to do this. I mean, so every single stage of the supply chain, there's a point where something gets tested and then it probably changes hands, right? So there's right. buyers and sellers all throughout the supply chain. Nothing right now currently exists to allow them to buy and sell from one another and also to have their lab test results shared in that one place. So all of them have to get tests done on all of these different products at multiple stages of the supply chain. One, one product, one plant might go through testing 
something like 10 different times before mm -hmm. it's the final product in mm -hmm. some cases, right? So, um, so all of that uh, testing information, we're able to see it and we're able to know and verify because we integrate with metric, which is the seed to sale tracking that is in most states. We also integrate with the other two uh, that are in most states, um, LEAF and BioTrack. But it allows us to see when a, when a lab tests uh, a sample, mm -hmm. we can see the inventory that goes with that sample because of metric. So back to my original point, you've got a, a grower who grows 25 pounds of Durban poison, goes to get that tested. The laboratory takes that test, tags it into metric, says here's the results of that within metric. Metric knows that that, that uh, test result represents all 25 pounds of that Durban poison, which they might sell to 10 different retailers, right? And they're going to use the same test result all 10 times. Mm -hmm. We see that that test result represents 25 pounds of cannabis. Mm -hmm. So the reason why we're building this wholesale marketplace and trying to solve this trust and transparency issue, is, it, the way that we're doing that is because we built this lab software that gives us information from a metric verified labs or you know regulatory labs that are certified. We can see all of these results and verify to the buyer this absolutely is the cannabis you're trying to buy. We can prove it, it comes through metric and now it's inventory that you can uh, submit an order to on our wholesale platform. And that wholesale platform we're launching in October. So are you being the middleman now between the wholesaler and the buyer? Well, we're being a tool to aid them. We're not licensed. We're not taking in any plant material or, or any product. We're not uh, charging a percentage of a sale. So we are in no way a licensee. We are not uh, replacing wholesalers. We're actually we're working with quite a few wholesalers in Oregon right now uh, because they see us as a great tool for their uh, sales uh, people as well as for just their revenue. So um, it, it makes their process more efficient. So would this negate the wholesaler sending those test results over to the buyer is what you're saying? Yeah, they won't have to deal they with that. They just don't anymore, have to do that. You know? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it is a new industry. So we deal with a lot of, uh, you know, just growing pains. One of those growing pains is that a farmer, let's say in rural Oregon, is selling a whole lot of cannabis to um, a retail store in Portland or in Bend. Um, what can happen and what does happen actually a substantial amount of times is that product is taken to the retail store and the grower forgets to bring the certificate of analysis on the test results. And so the retailer asks for those things. They go, oh, sorry, bro, let me go back and I'll get it to you. But it's like a four or five hour drive home. Right. And then he gets this, that, that COA and he sends it back to the retailer and it's the end of the day Friday and it's not until Monday that he can actually put that product on the shelf and sell it. So, you know, that's just like... Gotcha nonsense that shouldn't exist right we fix that entirely just because the lab result is attached to the product cool. so if you're putting in an order for the product you've already got the lab results you don't need to worry about that any longer yeah so what's cool is these are all these are all new things like new problems that have come up with the regulated industry that now people are having to solve like yourself so that yep. alone i mean that's pretty cool how an opportunities come around but it's a very uh, needed net like opportunity for somebody to fix um, that really did not exist a few years ago. So that's cool that you guys are taking that step to fill that gap. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think the coolest thing about this, like, like I said earlier, um, because of the regulations, we have more data on this product than we do any other product in the world. Um, and that sucks, again, for business owners. But uh, one of the other benefits that comes out of this is that we can learn from this data, right? Like coffee beans, we don't know what the chemical composition of coffee beans are Sometimes we don't even know the method it was grown in or what pesticides were used in them. So who knows if one method of growing in coffee produces better caffeine results or a better overall balanced flavor. 
like everyone's sort of just sort of uh, doing what their family's always done for generations and generations, right? Well, with cannabis, we can actually answer all those questions because we have these chemical profiles that are coming from these lab tests. Mm -hmm. And um, and we're also able to, in certain instances, record information about how things are being created. And so you've got competitions like the Grow Off, for instance, where they're constantly meticulously collecting data about growing uh, decision-making and phenotypes. And when then you get the test results back and you see the chemical profile of what those growers were able to create with the same genetics, and they all have different profiles in the end of it, what you're seeing is that the product you interact with, it can wildly vary between uh, the same genetics just based on the decisions that the growers or the cultivators uh, are making. Mm -hmm. And some people prefer some things, some people prefer others. So it gives us the ability to really know what makes one product special and one product different, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so one of the things that we're also releasing is a, is a tool called Connect that is not a business-to-business -to -business tool. This is for the whole world to play with. And what it is is a 3D visualization of all of the strains that we've been able to collect within our data set that have had uh, both cannabinoid and terpene testing done on them so that we have as, as robust a chemical profile as possible. And, um, and we are taking those strains and arranging them based on how similar or dissimilar they are chemically. Cool. And so this is different than certain other uh, visualization tools out there that might show you information about, you know, maybe genetics or whatever. But uh, what we're showing uh, is different and also interesting in the sense that this is the actual chemical profile of the product you're interacting with as a, as a consumer. Interesting. And if there's a particular strain that makes you feel great and there are other strains that don't make you feel great, you'll be able to open up see Connect, that. find the strain that makes you feel great and see all of the strains that are similar to it almost exactly by chemical profile. Mm -hmm. So you can try other new things and know that it's going to make you feel good. Okay. You can also find out what's different between the strains that you like and the ones you don't like so that you know what strains to avoid in the future. And, uh, and there's a lot of really cool information that you can like interact with and rotate the, the, the cluster of data. Uh, you can zoom in, you can compare strains all across it. It's, it's a super cool tool. That sounds awesome. Is this awesome. available now or something in the future? It will be available within the next uh, two weeks. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, we'll be making an announcement about it very soon. Um, and, uh, and there's going to be quite a bit of coverage around it that we'll be generating um, because it's one of the more exciting things that we have. I mean, we, because we provide lab software to over 50% of the labs nationwide, that means that we have uh, access to the largest data set on cannabis chemical profile that I think exists. Um, now, we haven't been able to verify that, so of course any company can make any ridiculous claim, right? But I mean, given the fact that, um, you know, I guess maybe unless you're a state regulatory body, we have multiple different states across the nation that are, that there are multiple different labs are giving us chemical profile data back because the lab results are going through our system. And we're very, very careful about this data. We, we keep it secure and we keep it private and we don't ever share anyone's individual data. But when we can take all of that data and then anonymize it and generalize it so that we can help consumers understand, here's what the chemical differences between plants are, we can learn certain things. One of the things we're learning, for instance, is that indica sativa hybrid may not actually have any chemical reality whatsoever in the final chemical expression of the plant. Mm -hmm. But what we're also seeing is, is there's certain chemical profiles that do tend to live in the indica world or live in the sativa world. And uh, we're starting to make, you know, uh, uh, learn things about how that, that's working. So, um, you know, what terpenes make you feel what, what cannabinoid blends make you feel what, like these are all uh, questions that nobody has answers for yet. 
And we can start to, you know, suss that out through this giant amount of data that we get privileged to. That's awesome. That's really good. Yeah, I feel like it's also a tool that's going to help educate consumers on what they're actually looking at. You know, to help them understand terpenes and cannabinoids and how does that actually interact with my high. And it's not just THC that I'm looking for or CBD anymore. It's all these other, you know, hundreds of things possibly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, um, the way that I was able to use it uh, for myself, and I'm a pretty educated cannabis consumer, so I, I know a lot about the terpene profiles. In fact, I'm able to, uh, in our office, like open jars of just pure terpenes so that I know beta-caryophylline smells sort of spicy and nutmeggy, and uh, limonene oddly doesn't smell a whole lot like limes or lemons right off, your, right off the bat, but it does sort of have that citrus flavor. Uh, pinene doesn't smell as piney as you might think it is. Actually, terpenaline is that. So, you know, I, I have access to jars of terpenes that I can smell and, like, learn. Um, so I do know quite a bit about this. I think even um, uneducated consumers will be able to visually recognize the differences. What we do is we populate this visual data chart that we call our imprint. And so every uh, dot in the cluster represents a strain. And they might that you might find one genetic like Blue Dream or Girl Scout Cookies lives in multiple different parts all over the cluster. And so when you click on those dots and it might all be the same strain, their imprints will visually show you different information. And you'll be able to see different colors for different terpenes and cannabinoids and uh, an amount of that color within the little color wheel so that you know how much of it is present in any given uh, section of the cluster. So what this was able to allow me to do is I was like, I love Blackberry Kush. It's a strain that just really, really makes me feel great. So I, was, I searched Blackberry Kush. It took me to the spot where that uh, dot lived in the cluster. And I clicked on it, and I looked at its chemical profile. And then I looked at uh, the strains that were around it, and I saw a lot of players that I expected would make me feel good too, like Cherry Pie, another one I love. Um, you know what I mean? Some of these like really dark fruit um, and somewhat spicy uh, strains. And then I found one that I didn't expect, Mango Kush. I expected Mango Kush would live somewhere over near like the tropical Thai, you know, sort of uh, strains. But it was living over here near Blackberry and Cherry. And I was like, that's interesting. So anyway, fast forward the next week, I go to uh, Southern Oregon and I went to Oregon, uh, one of the retail nice. stores there, and they had Mango Kush. Wait, and I was like, hey, I want to get the Mango Kush. And uh, so I smelled it and I, and I smoked it and it was like, incredible how accurate it was it felt exactly like what i wanted to get out of out of the chemical like the the chemical expression of this plant felt like the effect i was going for and i was able to learn that based on using connect just cool. with you know with the information i, I had already so that's i think amazing. anybody will be able to do this and, and have a lot of fun trying new products this that's way. cool yeah that's great I'm already like. I'm ready for it. For yeah, when do we to, get that? <laughs> check it out. That I'll send it to awesome. you as soon as we uh, yeah, we we'll have it ready for the show. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. So, is that like a step towards? Uh, is that more towards like trying to educate consumers, or just like something cool you guys stumbled across, or uh, kind of what was your angle with wanting to produce that? Well, there's uh, there's a couple different reasons for it. Um, education is key. And um, what we're finding, and, and this isn't just because we have access to the data, there are other people in the market who are making these same conclusions, but what we're finding is that um, you know, a lot of the previously assumed information that we had about uh, how to buy and experience cannabis is just, um, it's, it's misleading. You know, Like I uh, hinted to earlier, Indica Sativa Hybrid. Almost every single cannabis product is bought and sold based on indica sativa hybrid. Mm -hmm. There are a whole lot of edibles that are sold telling you this is an indica or sativa edible. 
<laughs> and um, and not only does that have no chemical basis in reality, really, um, especially when it gets to the edible side, yeah. like that does not carry over. There's no reason to tell a consumer that something is an indica or a sativa because it doesn't help them understand anything. Mm -hmm. um, and yet over 90% of cannabis products are bought and sold in retail stores based on this false nomenclature. So to a certain extent, this needs to change. I mean, the, it, in and of itself to, to buy and sell products based on complete nonsense, uh, just because we've been doing it for so long is crazy. So uh, everyone needs to be educated on this product. This isn't just consumers, this is also retailers and uh, producers to understand how to better and more accurately give consumers an idea as to what the effects of their product are going to be. Mm -hmm. So uh, that needs to occur. Now, a lot of people in the cannabis industry, especially here in Oregon, are advocating very hard for these this new reality. They're trying that they, they, you won't find indica and sativa and hybrid listed in uh, very small amounts of very uh, 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 cutting edge stores. Uh, for instance, you go to Pharma in uh, in Portland, Oregon, and you won't see indica sativa hybrid whatsoever within the store. What you will see is uh, sort of like an expected effect and a, a chemical terpene profile to a certain extent, and they're constantly evolving what they're doing. Uh, they have an entire science education director, like she she is a scientist and um, and runs education there. So you know, educational science is very important to that particular group. Uh, there's a cultivator here in Oregon uh, who is also trying to solve this by putting together um, like a numerical code that can help you, the consumer, understand what you're going to consume based on its cannabinoid profile, its terpene profile, uh, and maybe its genetics or something, uh, information that will give you like a, oh, this is a 514, not a 228. I don't know. <laughs> something like that. It'll probably mm -hmm. be less confusing than I just made it. <laughs> but the, the idea is to let you know what the chemical profile is of the thing you're going to consume. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it's hard for for retailers to tell you this as a consumer is because we all experience things differently. Mm -hmm. My wife and I buy uh, cannabis together. Uh, we smoke it together. And what makes her feel very creative and focused and energetic makes me feel dopey and, and like unmotivated. And, uh, and my chemical reaction to those strains is uh, pretty much the opposite to almost like 95% of consumers. So I have this specific chemical profile, and whenever I smoke things that people call traditionally indicas, like I was saying blackberry kush or cherry mm -hmm. or mango kush, uh, I get very focused, and I'm able to, like, crush work. You know what I mean? So um, if my wife smokes that, she gets couch locked. So we have these very different experiences with the same strain just between the two of us. So how can anyone tell the two of us what any one strain is going to make us feel like? Sometimes it does make us feel the same way. Sometimes it doesn't. So we need to be more accurate about this. We need to understand what actually is affecting the outcome, the effect that we get from smoking or vaping or eating, whatever it is we're consuming. And because there's not a massive medical body of research that's been done on this, thanks federal government, uh, what we're having to do is uh, sort of find our way in the dark. Well, if we have the most data possible that you can see on chemical expression of a cannabis plant, then it bears to reason that we might have the most accurate way to showcase to the consumer what is happening in the plant. We're not going to tell you this is going to make you feel sleepy. What we are going to say is this has this uh, combination of chemicals and this proportion of chemicals um, compared to other things you've probably experienced personally. Anecdotally, you should know what makes you feel good and what doesn't. And if you don't, you can use this tool to help you figure that out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the idea is that... Um, 
whoever's going to come up with the right nomenclature is going to figure that out, but they might be able to use a tool like ours to figure out how to come up with that nomenclature mm-hmm. and what sort of alphanumeric combination of things we need to come up with to, that can standardize this across the industry. Very yeah, true. The only true. problem I see with maybe that problem or platform in the future is by labeling strain names because um, it's a very known thing that how you grow the plant will dramatically affect your cannabinoid terpene profile in the end result. So somebody that yeah. grows a blackberry kush in Oregon is going to have a very different, you know, chemical composition than somebody who grows a blackberry kush outdoors in Colorado. Or, you know, so it's yeah. Like, so it's going to yeah. really come down to I think identifying terpenes, receptors, cannabinoids, and, and kind of going that route uh, to identifying uh, strains and their effects later on. Well, and the way that we're handling this actually is by showing all of those instances. So we we show the the sort of national average of let's say Girl Scout cookies. But then if there's an, uh, um, a specific grower in Oregon that's growing uh, Girl Scout cookies indoor and there's a greenhouse grower in Colorado that's growing Girl Scout cookies, you'll see the Colorado and the Oregon instance of that, uh, of that strain, particularly when the chemical profiles are very different. Mm-hmm. One thing I was able to do that was kind of cool was uh, I pulled up blueberry cookies, another one of my favorites, <laughs> and, um, I, and I found the, the national average of blueberry cookies I found a uh, Nevada instance of blueberry cookies, and I found an Oregon instance of blueberry cookies. And uh, all three of them were indoor, and yet all three of them had very different imprints. And so that told me right off the bat, even when it's the same production method, like you know, just indoor, outdoor, greenhouse, light depth, whatever, uh, there are still so many different factors that are going into what's changing the actual cannabis itself. So in this instance, I think, at least for the time being, strain name is actually informative because it allows you to know that the same strain might be producing totally different effects. And if you, you know, had a a particular strain in California and then had that same strain in Colorado and all of a sudden you had like this total freak out session and you don't know why that happened, uh, maybe it's because your brain chemistry at that particular time and place uh, is different, or maybe it's the actual imprint is totally different from how those two states are growing. So that information actually will be kind of uh, uh, cool to play with. Awesome. Never thought about the human element of your brain chemistry changing, but that's 100%. <laughs> I should should definitely do a better job of thinking about that. Great. I mean, point. this is the the problem I have with the whole industry right now when it comes to talking about how terpenes make you feel a certain way. Um, there is absolutely no real hardcore medical research that shows any of it. People will tell you, "Oh man, uh, linalool makes you feel real chill, and you know, uh, and and limonene makes you real snappy, and like." That's total nonsense because we don't have the research to prove it. We don't have uh, what what little anecdotal research we do have that's been collected. They haven't been uh, collecting information on, you know, what other drugs have you taken in the past week? How has your diet changed this week from the past week? Are you having any particular uh, health issues or uh, hormonal changes this week that you haven't had in the past weeks? Uh, Have you been doing a lot of working out or have you not been working out when you were used to working out? These things cause massive chemical fluctuations in our brain and hormonal fluctuations in our brain, regardless of gender. And yet we're not taking that information in whenever we're trying to make these broad claims that like, you know, uh, uh, terpenaline is going to make you uh, super hyper and myrcene is going to make you couch lock. Like, uh, you know, something is going to be uh, X, Y or Z. And we don't know who the person is that's interacting with it and what information that we've gotten from that person that told us these things. Right. So. Anecdotal research useful. It's good. Uh, but can we make any broad conclusions from it? Absolutely not. And our industry is being a little careless right now 
in trying to make these broad assumptions based only on anecdotal evidence mm -hmm. um, and maybe some actual uh, chemical research. But you know, when you when you think of all the different factors that can create fluctuations in the way that a body interacts with any chemical substance on the planet, sometimes caffeine wakes us up from a drowsiness, sometimes it makes us have a total panic attack. And the difference is us. How much stress are we dealing with? Are we dealing with financial problems? You know, like there, there are so many things that we are going to use in our life that's going to fluctuate our effects uh, and our experiences with any single substance on the planet. And uh, if we don't really know what those things are going in, we can't really make these um, hardcore conclusions about what these chemicals are doing to us. Absolutely. I really like that your program's kind of putting the responsibility back on the consumer and like making us think about it. Like people need to start thinking about these things and understanding and take So we have this little book that we just got. It's like a gold leaf notebook and it's for cannabis consumption. And you write down the strain and when you took it and how you consumed it and you like circle things, how you feel and then how you feel later and you can do graphs and things like that. But it's very informative and like people need yeah. to start paying attention to this stuff. And so it's cool that you're offering that platform for people to go out and look into that education, and find out for themselves, because that's what this industry is about is really consumers educating themselves and standing up for that and, you know, looking and seeking these strains that they need as well as understanding how it was grown and what they're consuming yeah. and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the journaling is critical. In fact, before uh, I had ever even heard of people doing journaling, um, I, I got lucky when my wife and I were in Denver, we were able to, uh, I was able to tour a grow that I saw everything that they were doing and their, their methodology, and I knew they were trustworthy and clean and grew really great products consistently. And they also were vertically integrated, so we could buy uh, an ounce of cannabis from them that we could break up into eight different eights for $130, and it was really quality, right? Mm -hmm. So like that as a deal was wonderful for us because we had just come from Texas where if you bought an ounce, it was 350 to 420 mm -hmm easy yeah. and it was one strain and you didn't know what the hell it was right, right? so this was like a whole new world for us and for so we, we i wanted as much variety as possible i wanted to try every single possible strain there was out there i wanted to know what what they all tasted like what they all smelled like how they made me feel and i didn't have a journal and i didn't have really like any idea other than if i just wrote on each jar every time that we bought an ounce what i liked based on a plus or minus method if it was two pluses, it was like, that's the strain I'm always going to go to. If it was two minuses, it was like, fuck that strain forever. <laughs> and, you know, everything in between. And, um, and so we were able to test eight different strains every two weeks because we smoke about two ounces a month. And so, uh, so 16 strains a month, more or less. We whittled that down to buying in the quarters whenever we got more intelligent about this. But by doing this, I was able to learn, generally speaking, if something's orange, I'm not going to like it. If it smells orange or if it has um, you know, a certain terpene profile that is orange, for whatever reason, those strains freak me out. I, I get panic attacks. If it has uh, berries or spice or earthiness, I'm going to love it. If it has fuel or diesel, probably going to make me feel crazy as well. Uh, if it's lemony, it won't make me feel crazy, but it will make me feel real stupid, like the <laughs> traditional stoner yeah. stupid. Like I'll, I'll like really dumb movies whenever I'm smoking <laughs> lemon strains, right? Um, and so I was able to figure this out just by bumbling my way through it, you know what I mean? And just keeping a little note on each jar. And then like whenever something got a double plus, I took a picture of it. And I was like, I'm going to get that each and every time. And that's how I learned what strains really made me feel what. And that's how I learned not to buy by Indica Sativa Hybrid because I found sativas and indicas that did the exact same thing. 
mm-hmm. um, and uh, and that had a whole different uh, set of reactions. And because I learned that, I was able to get to the level of knowledge I have currently. Like, there's a certain amount of this that I got from being in the industry, but really, what I'm talking about, having gone through and learning was all done on my own and it was just sort of done in the dark like mm-hmm. i just was able to buy a whole bunch of weed from this one store being a legal state that helps right but you know uh when you're in a legal state you have this access and you can you can try little bits of a whole lot of stuff and just keep tabs of that and you will become so much more educated on what makes you feel what and you won't have to rely on some bud tenders uh you know um, suggestion which generally speaking is going to lean towards the most potent thing they have possible mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they have they have a totally different interaction with the plant than probably what you are looking for. And if you're a patient, especially, like take this very seriously. Take this like a food allergy. You know, my wife figured out her food allergies by doing the same thing, by reducing her diet down and like finding out what made her feel bad and what made her feel good. Mm-hmm. I found out that I was actually allergic to dairy. I've been a vegetarian for 22 years. I'm now vegan, more or less, because, uh, and I say more or less because I eat honey and uh, some eggs, but I got away from dairy because I found out I was sort of uh, lactose intolerant by just paying attention to what I was doing and being educated about what I was consuming. I mean, this is stuff we're putting in our bodies, right? Like, we should take this as seriously as possible. Sometimes this is stuff we're breathing into our lungs, going straight into our bloodstream. We should take this more seriously than we do food. And oftentimes in places like California, where you would expect everybody is an educated organic consumer, they've been buying weed for 20 something years that has had God knows what mm-hmm. levels of pesticides in right. it. No one ever cared to ask. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm not saying no one. That's too absolutist. Yeah. But you get my point. Yeah, no. That's what so, I always say. I'm like, we're always worried about like non-GMO and organic, but then nobody really cares about what's in their weed. So that seems ironic to what's me. What's in your weed? That's <laughs> right. There's a campaign that is coming out from um, the uh, Cannabis Certification Council called What's in My Weed yep. or What's in Your Weed. Um, I highly suggest you actually have them on to talk about it because it's a really great consumer-driven campaign. And the idea is to teach you, the consumer, to ask questions about where your weed comes from. The same way you would if you were to ask questions about your food, you know, find out, like treat this like you're at a vineyard or whatever, you know what I mean? Um, Treat this like this is your corn or your strawberries that you wanna know how they were grown. Um, If you care about those things in any tiny regard, then you should be doing the exact same thing with your cannabis. So go to your bud tenders and ask them questions about how the cannabis was grown. Sometimes you'll learn some really great information. I mean, I do it all the time just for as a sake of habit. Right. Um, also, because I have high standards. Like, I'm not going to yeah. buy crap that is grown with pesticides. If I can find something that's grown with, um, you know, uh, organic materials and they use ladybugs to fight off pests, like, that's going to win for me in my book uh, over anything that's not grown that way. Totally. So, yeah, ask questions. I agree. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's kind of what we want that's to support, too, in the show, is, and especially this episode, is, is know what's in your weed and know your grower and even I mean even go as far as you know knowing how your products tested and all that good stuff so educate yourself and if you have any yeah. questions hit us up hit Brad up we should be happy to answer any questions you have yeah so how will people be able to find connect soon on yeah so uh, if you follow confident cannabis you can just uh, search us on uh, any of the socials we're easy to find um, I will definitely be telling you about it there at the very least. Um, if you uh, uh, can sign up on our website, uh, on our email uh, list, we'll be emailing everybody out as well. Uh, keep your eyes peeled in the press. We will be having stories written about it, and we will be sharing it with as many uh, of the people that we will be talking with as possible. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, 
it, hopefully it'll be hard to miss, but like anything, I'm going to be screaming into a, a, a very loud crowd, right? So, um, you know, it, the best way to find out about it is to follow us, but who's going to be hanging on our every word, right? Um, I'll try to let you know. Uh, find out on, if you do uh, catch us up on social, you'll see it there. Hopefully the press will hit you with it. Um, but uh, we'll also be presenting it at, at MJ Biz uh, in November. Uh, so if you're going to be in the industry and at any of the conferences, we'll be looking to present it on stage there as well. Um, because really, like, you know, aside from educating consumers, there's uh, there's business education that's coming out of this tool. And also retailers will be able to purchase uh, or not purchase, but but uh, go straight to our wholesale platform right from uh, Connect. If they find a particular strain that has a chemical profile that they want, you know, definitely to carry on their stores. Um, then they'll be able to find that strain in, in Connect and then click right to our wholesale gallery to be able to submit an order to a grower who's growing it. Okay. So um, so there's business implications to it. We're going to be talking about that at all the business conferences. Anyway, uh, hopefully it'll be hard to miss. That's awesome. Well, cool. Yeah. No, I, think, I think you guys have done an excellent job of kind of like following following where, you know, you guys can best help the consumers and, and the, the cultivators and really uh, everybody in the whole industry. So mm-hmm. kudos to you guys and kudos for you to uh, taking a big leap and joining Confident Cannabis and kind of taking Thanks, a baton guys. and running with it. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's fun. And I really, really dig this team. Like I said, uh, they really impressed me with how smart their solution to this problem was. Mm-hmm. And um, I just don't see how anyone else can really accomplish this this and, and solve this problem the way we are here. It's just a, it's a pretty exciting project to work on. It's cool. Yeah. Very inspiring. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're proud to know that, you know, somebody's out there following and, and trying to solve these issues that we, yeah. Lucy and I, find important. So, yeah. cool. appreciate it. Awesome. Appreciate, you know, yeah. having you on the show and taking the time to uh, to sit down and talk to you about all this, honestly. It's great. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, listeners, for listening to my rambles. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. And with that, I'm Lit. I'm Lucid. And that's it. Laters. This episode of Lit and Lucid Podcast is produced in partnership with YooHoo Creative and Design. YooHoo Creative specializes in marketing, social media management, content creation, and other creative needs. YooHoo, helping your company become who you need to be. If you're interested in learning more, hit us up at yoohooCreative at gmail.com.